Yellow. Welcome back to Censored News. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Thursday night. If you've listened to us, you know how we start off. If you haven't, you're in for a treat. We start off every episode with the vision of Censored News, which is to educate, equip, and motivate we the people. Uh, Joe and I sift through the mainstream media, all the news all week long to find you the most censored information. And we put it together and bring it to you twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday nights. Um, We got a packed episode here. We got a lot of stuff that we're going to go about. A lot of stuff happening in Davos that's still going on. Uh, Investigations. uh, We just uh, crossed the Rubicon for the debt ceiling. Um, Joe has a lot of news um, as well. Uh, So we got a packed episode, so stick with us. Uh, We're about to shoot it over to Joe. He's going to kick us off with some censored rapid rapid news. Uh, Joe, take it away. Thank you so much, and good evening, everyone. As Trey said, it is a beautiful Thursday evening. The sun is not shining, but it is beautiful because we are alive and well, and we live in a free country called the United States. Starting off the rapid news, this evening is with Ukraine. The defense contractors are raking in millions of dollars as the Biden administration pledges to continue supporting Ukraine for as long as it takes. So far, the U.S. has allocated $113 billion in assistance to Ukraine. Some of this includes $24.2 billion in security assistance. Since the conflict began in February of 2022, much of what the U.S. has supplied to Ukraine has come from its military-owned stocks. The Biden administration has dipped into these inventories 29 times using what is known as the Presidential Drawdown Authority. Russia threatens nuclear war if it loses in Ukraine. Quote, the loss by nuclear power in a conventional war can provoke the outbreak of nuclear war. Medeve wrote in a post criticizing Western powers ahead of a Friday meeting in Germany to discuss further military support for Ukraine. North Korea's, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, a non-nuclear armed nation, has prompted North Korea to accelerate its own nuclear program and embrace a first-use nuclear weapons policy in a bid to deter an attack by the United States. Finland's Prime Minister Sanna Marin, in a discussion at the World Economic Forum, has said that Europe will support Ukraine as long as needed, even if the war with Russia lasts upwards of 15 years. Quote, I think the only message is that we need is to the only message that we need to send is that we will support the Ukraine as long as needed. One year, two years, five years, 10 years, and 15. Saudi Arabia's finance minister, Mohammed al-Jadin, said on Tuesday that his government is willing to consider alternatives to the U.S. dollar for international trade. Saudi Arabia's currency has been pegged to the dollar since 1986. The link was forged after the Arab-Israeli war and the OPEC oil embargo against the United States in the early 1970s. From the elections in California... More than 10.8 million mail-in ballots went unaccounted for in the state's midterm elections last year. Data published by the Public Interest Legal Foundation reveals in 2022, California election officials 
mailed out more than 22.1 million ballots to registered voters. The data published by the PILF shows of those, more than 10.8 million went unaccounted for. As researchers said, election officials can only make assumptions as to what happened with the ballots. The House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Thursday officially ended Nancy Pelosi's unconstitutional proxy voting scheme. No more proxy voting, McCarthy announced. Thursday, effective immediately, members of Congress have to show up to work if they want their vote to count. Jacinda Ardern is resigning as Prime Minister of New Zealand. The Labour leader announced Thursday Ardern will step down no later than February 7th, saying she no longer had enough in the tank for the job. Ardern inflicted harsh lockdown measures on the New Zealand public during the COVID-19 pandemic. After briefly lifting restrictions, the country reimposed lockdowns after a single COVID-19 case was reported urging citizens to stay home except in case of essential personal movement. Tony Blair, a former UK Prime Minister, calls for national digital infrastructure to track people's vaccination status in the event of a pandemic. He has advocated for the development of national digital infrastructure to facilitate the distribution of new vaccines and to determine who is vaccinated and who is not. The World Economic Forum and the Vice President for Values and Transparency for the European Commission, Vera Jourova, stated that hate speech laws similar to the European country countries will be imposed upon the American public, despite the longstanding case law at the Supreme Court protecting such speech under the First Amendment. A group of eight parents recently filed a lawsuit against an Ohio school district claiming activist teachers were having intimate conversations with students as young as six years old about sex and gender. The lawsuit accused Hillary City School District teachers of taking steps to hide inappropriate conversations with students from parents and called the teacher actions a recipe for indoctrination and child abuse. Klaus Schwab has banned vaccinated pilots from transporting members of World Economic Forum to and from Davos because of the security risk they pose. That wraps up the rapid news for this evening, everyone. Coming up next, as usual, Trey will dive into what is going on with Davos and what is happening with Klaus Schwab and banning the vaccinated pilots of what he so strongly supported during the pandemic, right after this. young men dropping dead of heart attacks every day how much money have you personally made off the vaccine who did you meet with here in secret why won't you answer these basic questions i'm worried that they're going to try and block this video
Mr. Porla, can I ask you, when did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. Why would you answer that question? I mean, we, we now know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission, but why did you keep it secret? You said it was 100% effective, then 90%, then 80%, then 70%. But we now know that the vaccines do not trans stop transmission. Why did you keep that secret? Have a nice day. I won't have a nice day until I know the answer. Why did you keep it a secret that your vaccine did not stop transmission? Is it time to apologize to the world, sir, to give refunds back to the countries that poured all their money into your vaccine that doesn't work, your ineffective vaccine? Are you not ashamed of what you've done in the last couple of years? Do you have any apologies to the public, sir? And that was, that's probably a reason why George Soros is not at Davos this year. Uh, that was Rebel News, and they were confronting Albert Ballora, the CEO of Pfizer. Um, they were confronting him at Davos over the safety, um, the safety of the vaccine and kind of the effects it's been having. Um, and if you see the video, he's really just walking away and not doing anything. But these people are being hunted down just like that by true. I mean, patriots, these people are patriots, what they're doing out there, uh, confronting these people, these evil people over at Davos. And this is why George Soros uh, probably didn't show up and while Klaus Schaub uh, showed up late, right? Um, one more video I want to play, but we'll play it at the end of the segment. Uh, yeah, we'll play it at the end of the segment. Uh, but anyways, that is the state of Davos. These people are... You know, the World Economic Forum, they're there. They consider themselves the leaders of the world. In John Kerry's own words, they are the elite, the elite selective, right? They can do no harm. They are, in Elon Musk's own words, the unelected leaders of the world that nobody asks for or wants. Uh, so let's go on over there. Let's kind of break it down. First, I want to hit this. I wanted to hit this Tuesday and totally forgot. Um, prostitution in Davos. We have prostitutes being flown in for the WEF. Uh, apparently, they're in high demand. They have hundreds of prostitutes that have flown in this week just for these freaking perverts at the WEF. Okay? Um and just so you know, I don't know why anybody would want to know this, but anyways, they got these prostitutes flying in. The prostitutes said business is so good at the WEF that they've actually hiked their prices up. They charge about twenty five hundred bucks uh, an encounter a night. I don't know how it works, uh, but however it works. <laughs> Uh, however it works, they pay them $2,500 bucks, and apparently business is booming because they're having to bring in more prostitutes, more women um, for these quote-unquote elite perverts, right? So I just wanted to hit on that just so you know how disgusting these people are and what they're actually doing. It's just one giant orgy fest up there with them and their prostitutes and their plots to take over the world with Agenda 2030, Ukraine 2030. Uh, it, it's it's just a giant, disgusting, 
elite orgy up there, right? Um, that's the state of things. So let's kind of dive into what they've been talking about. Uh, there was a panel on Western media, um, a, a panel on Western media uh, to know. Oh, Ed, sorry, I'm trying to. <laughs> sorry, there was a panel on Western media and how the media in the West, America, Canada, how the media gives the people too much information. And so that the people basically what it was about was the guy who got up there and talking was talking about how people in the United States, quote unquote, know too much, how people in the West, quote unquote, know too much in developed countries, right? Uh, how the people know too much. And that is why we are seeing these uprisings, right? We saw it in Brazil. It's happening in Peru right now. Thousands, I'm talking about thousands and thousands. So many people are uprising in Peru tonight. They have 11,000 police officers there trying to round these people up. But so they say the people know too much. And that's why there are uprisings. Uh, they said that's why January 6th happened, which is kind of, I guess, their way of admitting they are rigging elections around the world, right? That they are totalitarian, that they are uh, tyrants, right? This is their way of, because if we knew if the information that we got, if we quote unquote knew too much, right? And that is the reason why you're having all these uprisings. Isn't that kind of the surefire, you know, way to say, hey, what you're doing then at WEF, what you elites are doing, what these governments are doing is not great. It's not good. So if we know too much, if us knowing too much is a bad thing for you, that's how we know we're getting the information, right? And so they're saying it's a problem. The The media needs to be reined in. The people don't need to know as much as what they're knowing. They need to be get better at hiding their stuff, right? Um, apparently, we're, us commoners are too stupid to understand what they're talking about, right? And that's kind of the whole thing that they wanted to talk about, you know, and then even talking about that and us knowing too much. Kemp was there, Brian Kemp of Georgia. He flew in. He said he was there to talk. He told his the he told the state that he was there to talk about economic and business deals and advancements for the state. He wasn't. All they asked about, all they asked him about was quote unquote election deniers. They asked him about the 2020 election. They asked him about Trump. They asked him about the 2022 election, right? Uh, they brought him in to trash us quote unquote election deniers um, and to pat him on the head for doing a good job and making sure the elections weren't fixed. That was the whole reason he was there. He got his pat on the back. He got his good job. Hey, you did exactly what we wanted to. Great. Here's your seat at the table, which it's not a seat at the table. It was a chair for a 30 minute forum, right? Now he's probably on his flight back home to live in disgrace for what he's done to a state and his country. Right. Um, and then let's move on. Uh, we're just kind of hitting these kind of quick. Uh, like I said, there was a lot going there. Christopher Ray, everybody's favorite FBI agent, one of the nation's biggest traitors. Uh, Christopher Ray was there. He was on a panel. This is what's interesting because all the, I mean, up until, I mean, Joe Biden, his Kamala Harris, all the Democrats, the liberals, the media, the FBI, the CIA for months and years, ever since Trump came down 
the escalator and they started spying on him, they have denied any collusion between any of them. Any collusion between them. They've denied it. They denied it. But then what did Christopher Ray say? He got on a panel and said the FBI and pri- uh, said the future of the national the future of national security is in the hands of a partnership between the FBI, government, and private sector. What does that mean? That means the FBI and government are colluding, actively colluding with big tech, big pharmacy, big business, corporate, corporate media. They are colluding all together, especially big tech and social media. Uh, but Christopher Ray, the future, just listen to that. The future, future of natural. Sorry, I can't talk tonight, guys. The future of national security is in the hands of a partnership between the FBI, government, and private sector. That means, and that confirms that the FBI has been rigging elections. They've been meddling in our elections. And what else have they been meddling in? Who knows? Big Pharma meddling with the government, big business meddling with the government. The FBI is utilizing the private sector to spy on Americans, to erode the Constitution, to get rid of our, to erode our constitutional rights. They're eroding on our freedom of speech whenever they uh, collude with big tech. They are eroding on our on our freedom, uh, our autonomy, our autonomy, autonomy freedom, right? Our medical freedom when they collude with big pharma and the government to mandate vaccines, right? They are eroding our rights. And they, they, he admitted it. He admitted it. He was on the panel. It was, it was called cyber defense. It was a cyber defense panel, right? And he admitted that they are colluding with the private sector and the government to erode our freedoms because we don't deserve freedoms. According to these elites, we cannot be trusted with freedoms. I mean, another lady got up there um, and she said, uh, she said hate speech should be a federal crime and should be banned. And she says it will co- it's coming soon to America. The U.S. will soon uh, make it a federal offense to, to talk out loud, to say it to another person, to say it on the internet, on social media, whatever they deem as quote-unquote hate speech. Which, I mean, we already saw Sheila Jackson say that if you criticize a person of color, that should be a federal offense, right? They're eroding our freedom of speech because they want to take it away, because they want to control the information, because we know too much, because we talk too much, and because they are terrified of we the people, right? I don't know if you've ever seen that picture and it's all the elites sitting and they're playing a game of chess, right? And underneath the table of chess is the bat is the table is on the backs of, you know, commoners, right? Slaves, commoners, however. And it says, all we have to do is stand up and their game is over, right? And they know this. Look, it's confirmed. The WEF is confirming that we have all the power. These freaks over there, these freaks in our government, these freaks over there in Davos, they know they have no power. Why do you think Biden has a dozen times since he's taken office threatened 
conservatives, MAGA and Omega and America First movement. He uh, he just the other day he threatened us and he threatened us. He goes, they're not going to need AR-15s. They're going to need F-150 or they're going to need uh, F-15s. Right? He is threatening us because they have to threaten us. They have to threaten. Why do you think January sixth they have been throwing these people in? Uh, in solitary confinement for no reason, for trespassing charges, right? No federal offenses, just trespassing charges. And they have been held for over two years, right? They have been tortured for two years in prison, right? They're doing it to flex or trying to flex on us because they know the minute we stand up, their little game is over. That's why they meet once a year, Right. And in Davos, that's why they bring in all their prostitutes. They had their orgies. They do their panels. They bring everybody in. They throw their money around. Right. And they do it. Right. To plan against us, to plan against the people. We, the people of the U.S., the people of Brazil, the people of Peru, the people of China. Right. The people all around the world. These people are plotting against us because they hate us and they want to control us, right? These people, they admire people like Hitler, right? They admire people like that, like these dictators, right? Because that is where we're heading to. We're heading towards another Holocaust. Now, whether it actually looks like that, and I, I'm not comparing any, I'm not, I'm saying another Holocaust. We're heading towards that. We're heading towards total, uh, total tyranny totalitarian government, an authoritative authoritative government, people that are going to control us, people that are going to start throwing us in prison, throwing us in. Look at what's happening in Australia, New Zealand. They actually have concentration camps for people that refused the vaccine. They throw you in these camps and nobody talks about it. You won't find it on the mainstream media whatsoever, but they have these camps. They say it's, they call them isolation camps. They're concentration camps and they throw people that won't get the vaccine. They round you up and throw them in there. Look what happens in China, the CCP. They round you up. You never get heard from again, right? I was listening to um, this podcast a few years ago. Um, and it was this guy, it, it was actually Barstool, David Portnoy. He, one of the guys that used to work for him, it doesn't work for him, but he was interviewing him and he was a sports writer or something. And, and, and he was over in China and he said they would be in the clubs Friday night, Saturday night, you're out in the bars at the club. The CCP would send their minions in. They would find any white people in there and they would drug you. They would go grab you, arrest you, get it, get you, drug you, pump drugs in you, arrest you, and then take you immediately to the jailhouse or wherever, wherever they take them and do a drug test and then arrest you for the drugs they just inserted into your body. And then that's how, that's how they mass arrest people, right? And he was talking about that and he said eventually he got terrified so much because he saw it happen so often. He stopped going out, stopped going to the bar, stopped going to restaurants, stopped going out. If it wasn't not, if it wasn't daylight outside, he wouldn't leave his apartment because he was terrified of them doing this. I mean, just go watch other videos. Uh, I watched another video of CCP, sent their minions in to this guy, refused, uh, refused to get the vaccine or something uh, having to do with the jab. Uh, his kids are in there and these minions come in and start beating the guy up in his own home with his kids. He has a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, all just watching it, 
right? And he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? They forced him away in their house, right? And started uh, screaming at him. He doesn't know what's going on. They won't talk to him normally. They won't tell him why he's there. He's like, tell me what you need. I can get you what you need. Tell me what, what are you asking? I can get, I have answers. What do you ask? They wouldn't do it. They're just beating the crap out of this guy, right? And that is where we're heading towards as a nation, as a continent, as a world. That's where we're headed towards. That is what they want, right? We are watching we are watching right now the U.S. pivot towards the new world order globalism. We are on a fast track there. And if we don't stand up and don't do something, right? And this isn't doom and gloom. This is stating the facts. These are things that these people talk about. We can ignore all we want and pretend things are hunky-dory, right? Right? Or we can get ourselves in like what I like to call a titty-giddy. Get yourselves up in a giddy, Right? And get mad about it and fight back, right? How do you fight back? Well, lucky for you, we end this every episode with an education about how you can fight back. So you got to stay and listen to the rest of the episode. But what I'm saying is we can pretend this doesn't happen, stick our fingers in our ears and say, la, 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 for as long as we want. But no matter what you think or what you do, if you can call me a doom and gloomer, you can call me negative all you want. But the fact is, is these people meet every year in Davos and they this is what they go over. This is what they talk about. They talk about digital currency. They talk about the new world order, a one government system. They talk about eroding free speech. They talk about arresting people for not falling in line. Right, They talk about a national registry to track who has complied and gotten vaccinated and who hasn't. They talk about camps to put people in, right? And they brainstorm, and then they all go back to their own countries, and then they start implementing as much as they can, right? They talk about how to go around we the people and how to prevent uprisings against their tyranny, right? That's what they talk about. So we can pretend it's not happening or we can wake up and see that this is what they're doing. This is evil. We need to stand up. Just like I've been saying, stand up, right? You need to stand up and fight back, right? If we had, if we were in control of our local and state governments, they would have absolutely zero power over us, right? Right. If we had our if we were in control, they wouldn't be able to control us on a federal level. They can't come in. That's why our country is so beautiful, because we have the separation of powers. We have the local, the state and the federal. The whole reason our founding fathers separated our governments like this is so that our federal government could not have too much power. It was to prevent tyranny right? But our, our government is getting too much power. They are amassing power. Why do you think Biden keeps signing executive orders? They just signed another executive order. Uh, it's a it's an executive order. And what it is, is it controls local government. It controls state government. It controls redistricting. Um, they are, and, and Trump repealed it. Obama put it in. Trump repealed it. And now Biden did it. And basically what this executive order is, is that every five years, 
every city in America has to submit a diversity and equity um, uh, inspection of their city. So every single city, every single town, every single subdivision has to have a certain level of equity and diversity. What does that mean? And Trump said it perfectly. That means your sub, your uh, suburbs are getting eroded. That means crime is going up, home values going down, because now instead of having nice suburbs, right, they have to trash them, bring them down, right, and bring in people that don't even want to be there, wouldn't even really be there if it wasn't for the government, right? So you talk about Section 8 housing. Right. You talk about things like that. Now it's being forced to go in. It's being forced into our suburbs, into our nicer neighborhoods, things like that. Right. So even on a local level, that it's all controlled. It's all about control. So every five years, every single city has to submit a diversity and equity uh, uh, inspection and it, and you have to have if you don't meet the standards you have to have a plan to meet the standards right it's all about eroding our country at every single level all right cool so we're going to take a quick break here uh when we come back uh i'm actually going to start it off with a quick video when uh when we come back and then joe's going to get us going into a conversation we're going to talk about some stuff we got a lot of stuff to talk about we got investigations going on uh biden's national security threat and his crackhead son selling our information we just crossed the rubicon uh for the debt ceiling meaning we have no more money we have no more money as a country uh and these are just things that the mainstream media is ignoring uh so uh, we're gonna go to a quick break when i come back i'm gonna play a quick video uh and then joe joe can uh Take it away. Yoda, he's the head of president of the U.S. Freedom Flyers. He said they're getting calls now from wealthy businessmen and companies to fly their executives around on business jets with unvaccinated crews. Now, they get the luxury of being able to choose because there are still a large amount of crew available in the United States who are not vaccinated because the companies they work for didn't mandate it. And yes. these, these wealthy businessmen are requiring unvaccinated crew on their business. Now, passengers of an airline on an airline or ticket don't have that luxury. It's just like, okay. And the U.S. Freedom Flyers... Yeah, that's just totally backstepping on what they enforced so strongly uh, for about two years solid. And it's not something... There's not a vaccine reversal that you can go in and say, oh, okay, have this thing pulled out so I can get my job back. No, that's something permanent that goes into your body. So I, I got a quick question on that. And it's this, these high executives are requiring that you aren't vaccinated in order to fly my jet. What does that tell me? It tells me that the high businessman is non-vaccinated. Because yeah, but it also, let me ask you this, Joe. Why 
they're the ones pushing the vaccine. So why do they care if their pilot is vaccinated or not? Just going back to Tuesday, why, why, why does it matter if they're vaccinated or not? What's the risk? They said it's safe and effective. Yeah, they say and effective. No, now they know it's harmful. Yeah. Now they know it's harmful and and they themselves didn't take it, but they didn't have the science behind it to prove that it was harmful, but now they're seeing. We're getting the data out just like uh, last episode, the data is coming out that mm-hmm. this thing is harmful. Yeah. And and there's a whole lot with it as well like even shedding. You it, it, it it's the vaccinated that you're shedding. You can shed and it can be harmful. So we yeah. saw a lot of unvaccinated people taking the, uh, I believe it was the Delta variant, getting the uh, Corona Delta variant. Mm-hmm. And it was turning into pneumonia. But that was the effect of, now this is my opinion, but that was the effect, I believe, of the vac- of the coronavirus going into someone that was vaccinated and coming out as a monster, you know, because a lot of times like a flu bug goes in, it it's eliminated in your stomach, you might pass it off to someone else, but your gut deals with it. It doesn't come out a raging monster. But this yeah. whole Delta variant was just coming out as a different thing. And so I think they know the stats behind it. They see what is happening and they're going, hey, I endorse this. I told people to get it. I never got it because... I had some thought or my gut told me not to get it. Or they and knew so, the whole time. I mean, this is that he was talking, he specifically was talking about Klaus Schwab, the guy at the World Economic Forum. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The guy that paid, he bankrolled, right? For people mm-hmm. to go get this, right? For governments to mandate this. Yep. No, it's a, it's, it, it's an absolute thing. And it's sad, like, like, um, if you were forced to get the vaccine that you're now put in an awkward situation, or even like we talked about last week in like this state of fear, you know, don't be in a state of fear because all things can be washed out and cleansed uh, in you. And, yeah. and we believe that, but um, for them to force this thing, it, it, I would say this, it's the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. Yeah, it is this massive scheme. And and I'll just hit on this, and we just went over it in the rapid news, is that the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, mm-hmm. why is she why is she resigning? Okay, so she was five uh uh 2017, so she's just going on six years. Yep. She was elected right in that whole whole process. She was one of the youngest, or I believe the youngest at 37 years old to be elected. And uh, as a New Zealand prime minister, and now she's resigning. What's going on with that? You know, and yet she had some of the strongest draconian lockdowns on her people. And now she's standing up and walking away. What's happening with that? Yeah, well, it was it is a massive bribery scandal. BlackRock. So you look it up. BlackRock owns major stock holdings in big pharma companies that made billions from Jacinda's forced vax mandate. They were she was coordinating with them and now she's about to cash in huge while her people suffer lifelong effects. So she made a deal with BlackRock. BlackRock invested billions into uh big pharma companies, Pfizer, Moderna, 
They invested, they made their billions, right? They did all these investments and then they came to Jacinda just like they came to Trudeau, just like they went to Biden, just like they went to all of these leaders, right? And they said, hey, we need you to mandate this vaccine. We have a lot of money riding on this. We need people to take it. We need this stuff to get sold. So what did they do? They colluded with her. And she mandated, she is the worst prime minister New Zealand has ever. She had the mandates. She locked down her country after one person got after it. After one case. After one case. Yeah. Uh, absolutely disgusting. She forced the mandate. She forced everybody to get it. If you didn't get it, just like I was talking about earlier, if you didn't get it, they rounded you up and put you in a isolation camp, an isolation center, what they call it, but it's a concentration camp, right? Uh, absolutely disgusting. So now, She's saying, I can't handle the job. Yeah, right. I mean, she can't. She never should have been there. But anyways, she's not. She, but now she's in talks with BlackRock. So uh, she's met with BlackRock several times in the last couple of weeks. Um, so now she, her, she's about to cash out. She's about to live a nice, comfy life while she's raking in millions, right? While she ki willingly killed her people, harmed her people. Literally, literally. Of, yeah. Yeah. Making, making a income. Mm -hmm. literally off of killing other people and off the backs of the people mm -hmm. of a country that you're supposed to love so much that you would do anything to make it survive and thrive. Instead, you absolutely decimate your country mm -hmm. and walk away, um, leaving them with nothing to work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely gross. And then now just seeing uh, the pilots just saying, hey, no, you can't fly our executives around unless you're unvaccinated. Just an absolutely ludicrous thing because guaranteed those people were the ones, some of the ones for sure, that were um, forcing pilots to get it and forcing people to get it. And now they're walking away and not doing it. So, so I honestly hope, you know, that there was a lot of people, and I think there was a lot of people that just out of common sense didn't get the vaccine. But also a lot of people that just stood up and said, no, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that. That's not right. Um, maybe I'm okay with vaccines, but I'm not okay with mandated vaccines. There's a lot of that. Then there's other people just saying, no, I'm not okay with vaccines and I'm not okay with mandating something. Mm -hmm. Like there's just a lot of pushback and I'm thankful for the pushback that we had uh, through those two years. And then now it's all just starting to come out. That was a massive Ponzi scheme. And, and if they could do it again to make more money, they'd do it again to make more money. But I, I, I want to get off the vaccine there train, just hit the, hit the debt ceiling. So, so we're coming up against, um, so in earlier, we've given $113 billion to Ukraine mm -hmm. in the last, uh, 10 months. And that's just a small, small part of, of pushing into this debt ceiling. And so what are, what, are, what are the things that we have really bankrupt us? But also, what does it look like then for the next? So is that just used up our extra budget, like our emergency fund per se? Or is it actually drained the U.S. budget? No, we are, in our, we are using the emergency money now. And that will run out in June. We are. Okay. And they want to raise the debt ceiling so we can borrow more money. 
Right. And so now all the Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, mainstream media, they're all doing the rounds. MAGA, MAGA Republicans don't want to raise the debt ceiling. They don't want to raise, they want us to go into default. They want us like, no, but what we are saying is that before we raise the debt ceiling, we need to cut spending. We cannot spend another trillion dollars. We need to cut spending. We spend too much money. We borrow money just to give it away to other countries. Makes absolutely. We borrow money from China just to turn around and give China billions of dollars. How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense, right? But Joe Biden and the Democrats already said zero chance they will be negotiating. Zero chance that they'll be negotiating with Republicans on the debt ceiling. They said they raise it or we default. So that kind of shows you, you know, who's really going to be at fault, right? It's going to be them. We are taking the common sense stance. Cut spending. Stop spending money we don't have. In 2007, the national debt was $10 trillion. 16 years later, we're sitting at almost $32 trillion. 13 years later. 13 years later. No, 2007. Oh, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 13 years later, we have tripled the national debt. It took almost 200 years. It took over 200 years for us to hit 10 trillion. And in 16 years, we have let these evil fascist, communist, globalist, Evil people in our government rack up our debt three times. It's tripled. That's absolutely crazy. That's insane to even think about, you know? And where does the money go? It goes to China. It goes to the Middle East. It arms it arms the Taliban. It armed ISIS for a while, right? We're spending billions on building other people's walls, right? But walls in America is a racist, right? We're giving billions and billions to China, to Mexico, to Canada, right, to the Middle East, all over the world, we're giving money away for absolutely no reason whatsoever, right? So we can be in debt, our children can be in debt, our children's children can be in debt. Right now, the if you break up all the debt per taxpayer, every single taxpayer in America is responsible for $293,000 each. That's if you break it down. I don't know about you, but I don't have $293,000 lying around to go towards the national debt. If I did, right, and we had a, a, a non-corrupt government, I would gladly say, hey, let's let's get this debt down, right? It doesn't work like that, though, because these people are evil. These people line their pockets, right? They use all they – they money this – they launder this money, send it to Ukraine, send it to Russia, send it through a laundromat back back to them. You know, back to their campaigns. You know, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, President Trump uh, last year in some of his rallies for candidates uh, spoke about, "Hey, we need to get China. We need to negotiate a deal with them to mm. forgive us all of our debt for the the mess they made by releasing COVID mm. on the whole world." Yep, he said we need to get that debt uh, completely completely gone you know yep. that's and and he and he said it in such a way of this will be part of your debt to pay back to the people yeah will be 
to alleviate, to eliminate what we owe you. Yep. Just part of the debt. And so I think there could be some negotiations for sure uh, come 2024, 2025. Well, with China, we see- China was actually paying us under Trump for the first time yep. in history. China doesn't pay anybody, but Trump got them to pay the US mm-hmm. billions of dollars. They don't pay yep. anybody and they paid us because of Trump. Yep. And there's a great book out there too, War by uh, War by Other Means. Um, uh, Kellogg is his name. I'm forgetting his first name. But uh, he spoke about that and just how we had money coming back. We had lots of money coming back into the United States before um, Corona hit. So it just shows you what a good businessman will do and a successful businessman in office and what he had done for us. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to another four years and and the success that us as a nation is going to have through that time. But also, I'm not going to waste the next two years. I think this is this is critical for you guys as well, is we're looking to a 2024, 2024 win in two years, but don't throw away these next two years just because we're in a democratic run. Um, uh, presidency right now. Don't throw it away of, hey, my business can't can't succeed. Hey, my life just really sucks right now. No, there's always opportunity in both parties. There's always opportunity for us. And and so be looking out, you know, be, be alert and be pressing in. Don't just be sitting back waiting four years for President Trump to come back. There is things to do. That's part of this podcast is to educate, equip, and mobilize us to do something. And that is in a Democratic presidency and a Republican presidency. There's always something to do. So that is everything for uh, conversation. And we're going to wrap this one up after this short break, as we always do with education. Hello, welcome back. Uh, We're going to get into education. We are finishing up our local and state government. We have three more things to go over and we'll be done with this and then we'll move on to, um, I don't know what we'll move on. We'll talk to it next week. We'll have something new, probably kind of still along the lines of state and local government. Um, But anyways, let's go over these last few. Uh, Number one, uh, first one we have tonight is comptroller, state government, comptroller. They're in the executive branch, sometimes called the controller. The state comptroller is an elected or appointed official who oversees the state budget and investments, collects taxes for state programs, audits state finances, manages pension funds, and manages disaster preparation. Their responsibilities vary from state to state, but typically comptrollers function as the state's chief financial officer. Comptrollers also often oversee fraud investigations and complaints made by the public. In some states, the comptroller shares duties with the state treasurer or auditor. Generally, auditors manage the state's accounting, conduct internal financial audits, and act as a watchdog over the state agencies. Treasurers usually oversee the state's financial decisions, but are less involved to the day-to-day bookkeeping. Some states have all three financial officers, while others have a combined 
uh, combine the responsibilities of the comptroller, auditor, and treasurer. Uh, public service commissioner. Public service commissioner, this is going to be in the infrastructure category of people. Uh, public service commissioners generally regulate the state's electric, gas, steam, broadband, and water utilities. They are appointed or elected. They determine rates for services, manage energy policy, and grant contracts. In some states, public service commissioners regulate oil and gas industries and manage fossil fuel infrastructure projects, including pipelines. The work of the public service commissioners often overlaps with state environmental agencies, including the Natural Resource Commission, commissioners and land commissioners. Yeah, and the agriculture commissioner, the title and duties of the agricultural commissioner vary state to state, but their role generally encompasses overseeing the regulation of agriculture in their state. The substantial power in regulating the animal industry and food safety and meat inspection, they typically work with the state assemblies and government to promote the enactment of legislation related to agriculture. And then wrapping up, and most of you know, but we're just going to go over it, is the governor. The governor is the chief executive of the state. Governors implement state laws and oversee the operation of the state. They pursue policies and programs with the assistance of department and agency leaders. Governors have broad authority to appoint officials to serve in the executive branch. They have veto power over budgets and state bills passed by the legislator in some states, the governor has the power to commute sentences or offer clemency. So that is it for education. Um, coming up on our next episode, we will always have an education segment um, in our episodes, but we will take them to, uh, just depending on what we're doing, we might take them into a different space. It'll be somewhat politics. It's always going to be education. But in these last couple episodes, we've gone through what our local elected officials do. And so it will be something in that space. But get ready for it. It's coming. Uh, it'll be here next week when we join you on Tuesday. And remember, too, to like, share this podcast. Uh, get the word out because we want to educate, equip, and mobilize we the people. That's when things happen. So coming out every week, we have podcasts on Tuesday and Thursday evenings. Till next time, we'll catch you then.